Hi, my name is Janice Awolabi, School Safety and Security Specialist for Harris County Department of Education, Center for Safe and Secure Schools. Our podcast topic today is school safety law. Educators need to be aware. Our special guest is Mr. Jamie Kegandu. He is a founding partner of the Texas-based law firm Douglas and Kegandu PLLC, a multiple service law firm. He is also a social advocate. He travels the country giving news interviews and keynote speaking in public forums, including town halls on issues impacting the community. Jamie has partnerships with notable organizations such as Crime Stoppers of Houston, local governments, educators, private citizens, and others that are aiming to build and improve a better community, promote social awareness, and provide training on various issues, including cyber safety, cyberbullying, and social media use with the help of media and corporate sponsors. In our podcast today, Jamie takes the time first to give tribute to our educators and emphasize the great impact that educators have in our society. He then unpacks the law and how it relates to educators keeping students safe. He focuses on making sure educators understand the seriousness of being aware of the school district's policies on bullying, cyber safety, and threats of violence. He discusses the strategies of what, how, where, and when of reporting incidents that involve student safety. He gives his insight on the recent school shootings in Texas and Michigan and the level of accountability that is being looked at for parents and for educators. Also, he discusses the level of immunity educators have in these incidents if they are aware and are following their school district policies. I want you to take the time right now to listen as Mr. Keegan do takes us into the safety and security of the law on keeping our students safe. Good afternoon, Jamie. Good afternoon. Hey, I'm honored you are a guest today. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here with you. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about what we're going to get into. And also the fact that the energy that you bring to it, the approach, and I know you're a humorous guy, so you give us a little levity in some of the things we might get into, but you just make it very uh, straightforward with us. That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I recently attended a virtual safety conference that Region 4, our Education Services Center, put on, and you were presenting there. And uh, I was really... uh, intrigued by your topic, where you spent time talking about uh, cyberbullying and different things like that. Uh, But I want to give full disclosure uh, about working with you before at Navarro Middle School at a career day. Uh, Your wife and your colleagues at Navarro. Yes, yes. And when we were putting it together, she said, my husband will be a great speaker. And I said, okay. And so we were, the kids were really excited about you coming first of all. And Did then I they, disappoint? No, I was going to say, you were really a big impact because they talked about you a lot after. You had a lot to offer them. And oh, so wow. That was great. Um, and you and I also had another connection at an event for the Texas Association of Black School Educator, TASB, in 2018, where yes, one ma'am. of your clients partnered with Harris County. Uh, That's right. Summit. You move in good circles. <laughs> or- I'm glad I do. I'm glad I, do. <laughs> I was able to really connect into you. It seems like we always circle around kids and making sure that we're doing the right thing for children. Um, 
particularly our students in our public educational system. Yes. So I really appreciate uh, you for doing that. And it seems to be your passion. Yeah, it, it is something that I'm passionate about. And, and um, I wanna say that, you know, first thing to all the educators, thank you. Because every single one of us has a teacher or several teachers um, that did something for us that helped us advance to different positions in our life. And, and, and we don't even think about it, but most of us even have to go back to say, how do we learn to read? Mm. Okay. <laughs> but how do we learn to read? Yeah, yes, our parents helped us and, and some people learn specifically from their parents, but I'll tell you, I, I would guess a majority of persons around the world had a had a teacher that sat down with them and, and gave them penmanship skills and, and taught them the alphabet of, of their country and, and um, you know, just gave us that foundation. Even people who talk about math, you know, my, I have a niece that once were telling me that she didn't think she was very good at math. And we talked about her empty gas tank and how many miles did she think she could go? Uh -huh. If you could go 27 miles, you know, <laughs> per gallon and you have $3.98 on you. Can you make it home? You live 22 miles away. And so <laughs> turns out she could do the math. <laughs> but even that example goes, goes back to an educator. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so we owe so much to our educators. And, and you know, for me, I know uh, Ms. Deborah Johns uh, was, was my fifth grade teacher who made the most impact in my life uh, from an education standpoint. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, she's passed away. Um, but the next person would be uh, Joe Cabarrus, wow. who, who was, uh, you know, my ninth grade um, um, math teacher. And, and, and so I still remember very vividly the, the, what the impact of education is. And certainly anything that I can do uh, in that space to help people, uh, I'm, I'm willing to do. Wow, what a wonderful reminder for all of us, because that is all of our all of our bottom line connection is we've all been educated in some way, and some educators impacted us in some way. Yeah, we're we're all tied together in that in that way, and I and I think that there are some professions where people don't get to hear thank you enough, um, and I have a feeling that education is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm just just a hunch, but mm -hmm. but I I recognize especially now as stressed as you know educators are with the pandemic, um, you know, you guys have a whole new world of things that you have to learn from the fact that you have virtual um, uh, classes. Now you have half your students on campus, half your students off campus. You have, um, you know, parents that are looking to you to keep their children safe from a, a virus that's invisible. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just the pressure and then, and then not enough uh, I, I think people are stopping to just say thank you, uh, and so yeah, I will I will thank you on behalf of those who aren't, <laughs> uh, and just and just loop this portion of our discussion. <laughs> well, the educators out there, I'm sure they're appreciating this. They're smiling a lot because, like you said, they don't get it enough, and yeah. their their hero capes are pretty wide these days. They do a lot of stuff that they thought they wouldn't have to do. They're doing even more. So thank you for that. Sure. Um, you know, the thing that I was going to start off with us is uh, an organization that impacts ed educational systems that you've been involved with called Crime Stoppers. Yeah, and I know yeah. you have been involved with them in di different ways. So I just want to put uh, start off with why Crime Stoppers? Why are you working with Crime Stoppers? Sure, good question. So initially, um, I started out 
by sharing information about the laws in Texas uh, when it comes to cyberbullying, which was uh, a new phenomenon, relatively new phenomenon, which which rose with the advent of, I don't want to blame it solely on social media, but social media is one of the primary conduits for a cyberbullying to take place. Uh, and the law always has a lag in its development behind things that are happening in real time because there's a process that comes with passing laws there's studies there's you know languages has to be very specific to apply uh, in the um to the intent that the legislator passes it uh, or legislatures that pass it had when the law was drafted so it always takes a long time and the laws in Texas were designed initially just to address traditional forms of bullying, which were, you know, those, um, you know, Bart Simpson meets Nelson Simpson, I mean, Nelson on the playground and gets punched in the stomach kind of situations. And, and um, teachers were also being trained, uh, educators were also being trained uh, based on the traditional styles of bullying. And those who were coming across situations where uh, that bullying was now virtual and happening off campus uh, were finding themselves with very few options and a lot of questions about what to do, both from an educator standpoint as well as the families of the victims. Um, so I uh, decided to use my uh, platform because uh, over the years I've represented some notable persons. And as a result, my uh, social media presence and, and my ability to um, conduct news interviews, those opportunities continue to grow. So I used that platform to start sharing different legal um, bits of information with the general public. And one of those topics was um, cyberbullying and the laws in Texas and what educators could do uh, when it came to uh, cyberbullying now and 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 talked about the you know the advent of the law what was the backstory related to a young man uh, named david mullock who tragically took his own life as a result of being cyberbullied um and so that information became what we call viral and you have to be careful when you say viral post-covid <laughs> obviously <laughs> um but um it went um viral and drew a lot of attention um come to find out Crime Stoppers also had a um, uh, talking point, an educational platform that was uh, linear with what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I met uh, through uh, uh, Roseanne Rogers, who was a uh, news anchor in, in the Texas market for some time. Uh, I, I met uh, with Rania Moncarios, the CEO of Crime Stoppers, and we talked through uh, the, the vision that Crime Stoppers has, uh, their their impact in the community, their wonderful years of service, and uh, found that we had some synergies in the things that I wished to discuss and the, and the topics that they wished to share information about. Uh, and so I became a spokesperson for Crime Stoppers, going on two years, um, and uh, have spent you know my time giving uh, some educational seminars to families and educators on uh, topics including um, cyberbullying and cyber safety. Mm -hmm. um, so so that, that is uh, the origin uh, of, and the why um, I, I became involved with Crime Stoppers and it's been a great uh, relationship. We've, 
we talked to a region for uh, and pr provided different um, seminars there as well as schools around the state, um, schools throughout Harris County, um, mm -hmm. parent organizations, um, news outlets, um, you name it, we, we've showed up and shared information because the way Crime Stoppers generally works is by making sure that the public is informed about what is happening um, and from a criminal perspective, not just cyberbullying, cyber safety, but any area of crime, uh, what's happening, um, what can you do about it, what to look for, um, provides uh, information on who to contact. Uh, you know, every call might not be a 911 emergency call, but if you see something suspicious, um, then, you know, Crime Stoppers would have you contact them through their tip line, which is their, their famous tip line, 713-222-TIPS. Um, and um, there was just so many different aspects that, that I've been able and fortunate enough to, uh, to be a part of. So that, that's the why. Well, and, and you mentioned the young man you mentioned uh, when the cyber with the bullying incident is that that's where the David's law came up came from I think educators. Uh, yeah, 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 yes, it is. Uh, David Moloch and, and I literally spoke to uh, his um, mother, uh, Maureen, uh, not even two weeks ago. Um, we, we, we still um, keep in contact and share resources and um, you know, talk through different ideas and it, it, they're very passionate in their quest to share information. They've started some really unique programs. So that's the David Legacy Foundation. If you have an opportunity, I'd encourage you to take a look at their website so that you can see what, what they're up to and um, talk through. There's a new movie that just came out um, with Mark Wahlberg as the star. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. And, and, you know, I gave her a call and basically said, look, this movie is about a man whose child commits suicide. She said she had seen it. And I said, there's some synergies here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try and reach out um, to Mark and see what we can do to get the message out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm breaking news right here on your program. <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you are. And it kind of because um, Jamie and I had some discussions before and he wanted to make sure that he's very adamant about this is that the student is not limited to the violence to violence or drugs. Uh, there's bullying, the harassment, the cyber crimes are are just if not if not just as much more so uh, impactful. Right. So I'm glad you did bring that up and I'm glad we are with the breaking news. <laughs> yeah, now to clarify, I haven't I haven't got in touch with him yet. And so okay. I don't know what he's gonna say, but we can put a little pressure on him, Harris County. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're always looking for relevant, great uh, content to bring to the city of Houston and the and right. Harris County. And so that would be great. That could be actually our follow-on action from this. I appreciate that. Okay, let's, let's collectively make it happen. <laughs> so you, you you talked about a lot. You unpacked a lot in there. Uh, one of the things I wanted to make, uh, want you to talk a little bit, just a little bit more before we go into some other topics is, uh, of that information you talked about, what can you pass on to educators and parents about this limiting, um, uh, limiting the violence beyond just drugs and, and drugs and the normal violence to talk about, but the cyberbullying, getting to that. What can you... Sure, sure. Um, for educators, I think what I would say is that it's important to not be dismissive 
when somebody approaches you about a situation that they feel that they are being cyberbullied, that they're being targeted. Um, I still, I talk to families, I talk to educators and I get two totally different perspectives. And, and I will say more often than not, I find it harder to get the educator to fully appreciate mm. what they're being told um, when it comes to that victim's experience. Now, some of it may be that the educator um, has so many different students, it's hard to compartmentalize everything and to you know, shift gears and focus. But what you can do is you can make sure that you understand what your school's bullying policy is. Okay. Because every district in the state of Texas and most districts in the country have policies now that are very similar. And those policies are gonna tell you what to do when you've um, learned that there's a possible incident. It's gonna tell you how soon action must be taken. Mm -hmm. um, once you've learned that there's a possible incident, it'll tell you um, who to report uh, the incident to. It'll tell you when you must report it by. Um, and um, it will provide you with steps that are designed to help stop the situation and possibly save a student's life. Okay. Um, those teachers in the, in the state of Texas and throughout the United States who've had a child that has taken his life or attempted to take, to take their life understand the gravity of what I'm saying. <laughs> and it's almost you don't want to you don't want to end up in a situation where you had to experience that through through the life of a student that you were in charge of uh, right. that, that that you I mean, because when you became an educator part of it was that yes you wanted to be somebody that could provide a safe place for education and you know just the betterment of of those students in your charge and I think this is a duty that can't be overlooked in that overall goal Okay. Um, and so the administrators as well have to be familiar. I had a, I had a situation where two days before school got out uh, um, during uh, the summer, two days before I had a, a family reach out, uh, freshman, high school freshman uh, was being severely harassed uh, to the point where the um, aggressor was suggesting that the girl kill herself and not even just suggesting i would say directing <laughs> um and parent reached out and said you know i don't know what i can do here um you know i'm i'm trying to contact the school they're saying they'll call me back i don't think anybody's really going to take any steps because it's two days before school is out and then you know to the school my concern is that they're going to say well that student is no longer you know in our charge Two days have passed. So it's summertime. Mm -hmm. Our hands are washed in this situation, and so you know, walking walking her through and and creating the correspondence to say to the school, hey, <laughs> this is your policy, and yes, there's two days left, but your powers to punish extend beyond <laughs> the yeah. fact that there's only two days left. There's not a two day left clause yeah. <laughs> in your. Yeah in your in your district policy and, you know i had a situation in in colorado where a family um had a child 
that had been harassed all year long and a school refused to transfer that child to a different classroom. The following school year, that child and the aggressor were placed back in the same oh, class. Okay. Um, and, and uh, you know, so I had to look at that school's policy and then show them their own policy to say, yeah, you need to transfer this student. And, and sometimes it's that not that the administrator or, or teacher is a bad actor, they're just unaware. And, and that's, I was going, that's been, I've been sitting here moving my head up and down because that is the biggest thing is just being unaware. Mm -hmm. The strategies are out there, the, actually the procedures are out there with some strategies out there because we say things. So, you know, one of the things I had in here to ask you is about what should an educator do on the see something, say something. I think you gave them some actions. What did you see? How soon did you report it? Who did you report it to? When did you report it? And then what are the strategies you use to help? And all those things are in their policies because schools have become better and better at this. I will, I will give kudos for that because yes. I've been in education for a while before when it was first brought to us about how we're, you know, we are the first responder when it comes to that and we do have a duty. It was, it was, it was a lot. I'm just gonna be very simple. It was a lot to take in as an educator, but over time, I think the policies and the things that you're laying out now give us a clearer path to what we need to do. I, I, I like what you said, all of it. And I think that when you said it was a lot, I think that's true because <laughs> I, I had a principal one time say that to me um, when it came to a situation that they investigated and, and they were like, okay, this is really bad. But the information packet, I guess, I'll call it a packet, I don't know, it might be digital, <laughs> <laughs> files <laughs> was uh, apparently, you know, two inches thick. <laughs> they were like, ah, what page is that on? <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. so, so I said, okay, all right. Taking, uh, you know, there's a, there's a book that's called, it's called for dummies, right? It says like, you know, tire changing for dummies. And that's just what it's called, the cooking for dummies, right? There's that. And it's a, it's not the best term, but it's one of those books that you don't forget once you've seen the title. Right. But the purpose is to take something great and make it into a, a simplified version of steps. Yes. And, and I started working uh, along with uh, uh, Roseanne uh, on um, a step-by-step, -step, almost like a flip book <laughs> um, mm -hmm. of what you can do when you're faced with that situation. Um, but the issue is different districts have slightly different policies. They all should mirror what the statute says but they might be written in slightly different ways, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so it just requires a little bit of a review to say, this is the Harris County guide for what you can do. And, and please use the three inches uh, you know, uh, uh, yes. of, of data that we're gonna give you, but also if you want just a quick reference, this is what you can use as your immediate you know, um, guide. For, yeah. for how to how to deal and and how to not misdiagnose um what the situation is okay yes 
Yes, because you, you, you start getting into some areas where uh, being comfortable with it is not your first thing, you know, being comfortable with how to, to produce that stuff, but it is my job to do it. It is my mandate to do it. Right, right. And given some sort of structure really, really uh, takes the, the, the pressure off of not not and it's not it's not so much you're afraid of putting the information out there, but am I doing am I giving the right information? Yes. Uh, am I missing something is more more of what I see as an educator because we always want to make sure we're giving the real stuff. Well, we're we're gonna, we're gonna stay in reality, okay? We're gonna stay in reality on this because we know that there's been a lot of things going on in the in the news right now uh, related to the safety of our schools. Uh, as it relates to the school shootings that we've had here in, locally in Texas, uh, in Michigan is the most recent one that's most public. Um, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of issues, right? And yeah. so I wanted to. I want to tap into your expertise, which is the law. And I know there might be different approaches that they, they, they're taking legally with these. Can you share some information with us on in that realm? Certainly. So um, we'll start with. Uh, Michigan. So your listeners might be aware of the fact that uh, there was a school in Michigan, Oxford High School, where there was a mass shooting that occurred recently. Now, um, what's happened is the family of or families of some of the victims have filed a suit, a lawsuit. They filed a lawsuit against the school. Okay. Um, and they're suing staff as well. And the lawsuit, uh, the, the legal basis is the uh, 14th Amendment. Um, and they're saying that, you know, you were supposed to provide, uh, you violated our, our children's rights to be free from danger under the 14th Amendment. And it's probably under section one of the 14th Amendment, um, which entitles persons of every state to um, be protected under the laws of that state. Uh, and, you know, and the laws of each state basically say you should be free from being shot, you know, mm -hmm. by, you know, you know, or acts of violence. Um, and so the theory there and the risk uh, exposure there for those educators uh, is that they had enough information that the student who was the shooter was a uh, possible shooter. They had enough information to take steps to search his belongings because apparently, you know, the weapon that was utilized was in a backpack that they had the ability to search once they had discovered, um, you know, drawings and other threatening uh, correspondence that the young man had that indicated that he was going to be hurting somebody soon in a, you know, in a, in a probably utilizing a weapon like a gun and they didn't search him they didn't search his, his his bag i believe what the attorney is also asserting because the pleadings are have, aren't you know public yet um is that there was some sort of a policy that the the staff and administrators should have been following in relation to preventing the activity from taking place, the shooting from taking place, and their failure to do that resulted in the um, shooting that occurred. The administrators and staff also are now possibly facing criminal mm. prosecution. Okay, mm -hmm. 
the district attorney's office uh, has been changing its tone towards the staff, towards the administration about um, their culpability, okay? Uh, about their mindset, their mens rea, what was their duty? Um, and if there is prosecution brought, my belief is it would probably be um, a, a manslaughter claim of some sort. Um, I, I suspect that it would be, you know, you, you, you negligently failed to take care of this situation. Oh, you recklessly addressed it, resulting in the deaths or, and or um, injuries sustained. Um, so that would probably be an involuntary manslaughter claim, okay. which would be which would be fairly new in that when when uh, educators think about my liability, they're normally thinking about being sued for money. <laughs> they're not usually thinking about the possibility of incarceration. Wow. So 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 let's 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 kind of look at that and understanding that mm -hmm. this Michigan is open. It's open, like you said, nothing has been been filed. Uh, pleadings haven't been made or anything like that. Uh, on the criminal side, there's not been charges. Okay. But the indications are that there are charges coming. On the civil side, there has been a, a lawsuit filed. Okay. Um, but that but that lawsuit, you know, you you might type in the law firm name and the name of the plaintiffs and all that, and the lawsuit in a day or two might be publicly available but their database is not something that's accessible so that I can pull the pleadings up and read them to you. Okay. So, but, but you are making us aware. Yes. And from an educator standpoint, cause that was one of the things that I was, what, what is our responsibility or what should we be very clear about from an educator being, whether a teacher in the room an administrator in the building, um, when it comes to situations such as these, well, I, I think that generally speaking, there's a negligence factor that goes into everybody's uh, profession. So if you're looking at it from the perspective of a teacher, you know, it'd be like, what would a reasonable uh, educator uh, under these circumstances do? What would they have done? Reasonable person under these circumstances do? Mm -hmm. um, who was an educator? If you say, you know, I, I am a um, mechanic and I was on campus and I didn't search his bag. That's not the standard of a reasonable mechanic, you know, uh, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. But as an educator, if you're trained, if your school policies, when it comes to possible scenarios that include gun violence, give you six or seven things to do. Be familiar with those things. To the best of your ability, carry those things out. You don't wanna be an educator who slept through gun safety training uh, or active shooter training or, or um, you know, bomb, bomb scare training. Like, mm -hmm. You wanna pay attention to those moments and to the best of your ability follow what those guidelines are because there's generally immunity that applies from litigation. That's it's a government immunity is a, is a legal term. Um, or if you're a superhero, <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a superhero term too, <laughs> 
but but it means you have protection from something okay so like in the state of texas uh under the texas education code section 22.0511 um, it provides educators with immunity from liability and and i'll, I'll just i'll read you what the statute says so that those of you who are you know book nerds like myself can hear <laughs> all of the text and then i can explain it but it's a professional employee of a school district is not personally liable for any act that is incident to or within the scope of the duties of the employee's position of employment and that involves the exercise of judgment or discretion on the part of the employee except in circumstances in which a professional employee uses excessive force in the discipline of students or negligence resulting in bodily injury to students so in english Thank you. What that what that means, yeah, what that means is that if you're carrying out your duties with and, and you're acting within the scope of your duties as an employee, and you in that scope are able to exercise your judgment or discretion, so it's not it's not something that says you shall, um, but it gives you some autonomy. You may mm -hmm. decide to confiscate a phone, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, is different than saying you shall confiscate the phone. <laughs> so if you have some some discretion, or if you're following the strict letter of the guidance that you've been provided, um, within the scope of your duties, you are generally protected from litigation. Okay. Okay. Now, if you act outside of the scope, and something happens uh, to the students that you are charged with protecting, providing a safe environment to um, these minors, parents, and or local prosecutor um, may be able to get around that immunity shield and holds you personally liable. Okay. Okay. So this goes back to when you were talking about before, be aware of your policies. Yes. Aware of what the, what's stated in them and what your actions should be in those policies. Yes, yes, I, and and I don't want I don't want somebody who hears this to think, oh, I need to be you know, going to work at Macy's instead. <laughs> That's not the point of what I'm saying. Um, what I'm saying is, you have a job that affords you immunity. I, as an attorney, don't have immunity from being sued. Doctors operating on patients don't, you know, have a blanket immunity. Uh, from being sued, there is very few positions uh, on planet Earth that you can take as a form of employment that say, "Hey, if you do your job, you can't be. You, we, we will protect you from litigation." Okay, mm -hmm. if something goes wrong. Uh, so I see that as a perk. It's kind of I, I would negotiate for that if I could <laughs> in my in my employment contract. <laughs> you know um and so so yeah so so that's what's happening um in in michigan also in michigan which is which is fairly new the parents of the active shooter are being criminally charged mm -hmm. okay they're being criminally charged now that almost never happens so i looked at some statistics um from 1999 to 2018 there's been approximately 145 to 150 school shootings. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, over 80% of those school shootings, the school shooter got that gun from home. Uh, that's an approximate number. Mm-hmm. Um, and only four of those cases have the parents of those students who were the shooter been criminally charged. But now you have Michigan who's criminally charging too. Yeah. And that prosecutor is actively saying, yeah, we're going to make this a policy that's known now because our other measures of promoting um, gun safety don't seem to be as effective as they could be. So now we're going to attribute some liability to the families, okay, yeah. who should be who should be supervising the child at home when you have a weapon in the home, supervising them in a way that that weapon is not accessible and you know readily available to that child who's taken it and done something horrible with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I suspect that we will start to see some of that happen in in other jurisdictions. I don't know if it will happen in Texas and then we'll see how that legal theory holds when when that day comes. Well, you know, in the world of education, the things that I know that as educators, we've all been reaching out for, we we say it, it takes a village uh, to to lead our kids in in the right direction and to train them in the direction direction, but also from accountability, it takes a village for everyone to be accountable. And uh, we've been accountable as educators. You mean that educators aren't the ones that should be solely responsible for raising our kids? We shouldn't just drop them off at three and pick them up at 18? (laughs) It's been a drum we've been beating for a while. So it'll be interesting to see, like you said, what comes totally comes out of this. But I think the the prosecutor in Michigan making that such a statement uh, that accountability is now going to be looked at at a much at a much different level across the states. And we can see that. But I I love the fact that you let the teachers understand about um, their immunity as far as what they have, but then also what they're responsible for and making sure that they are understand what they're aware of the policies that their district has, the school has related around bullying and reporting and all of those types of things so they can keep themselves in that wonderful bubble of immunity. (laughs) Yeah, it's... uh... It, it is something that I'm envious of. So. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad we got a lawyer to be envious of something within the education community. Well, uh, well, lunches, you guys get, get nice, <laughs> nice lunches too. throw that in there. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, they, they do. And this season and this season around the end of the semesters and things like that, we really get taken care of. So that that's a good that's a good thing. Um, and, and I want to get to the question that I ask all my guests uh, as we wind up. Um, it's, it's been tough. The pandemic's been tough. Uh, just, just being able to maneuver within your jobs, whether any job, whether you're working in corporate, working as a lawyer, working as an educator, it's been pretty busy. And uh, you have to stop and take time to take care of ourselves. And we call this Take Care Tuesday podcast. And so I like to end up with asking my guests, what do they do to take care of themselves, particularly in this particular situation we are in right now? 
Okay, good question. So I'm, uh, I'm just going to assume that everybody is saying they're wearing a mask and using hand sanitizer. So I'm not going to say that. But, but that's, that's a PSA that true. can always be said. true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a, I'm a big stickler on uh, health and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do not know um, what happens to one person versus another when they do contract a sickness, in particular COVID. But I do know about other forms of disease and other, other things that happen to a human's um, body over time if it's not being taken care of. So I'm a huge stickler on eating well, um, any form of exercise, whatever the person's fitness level is, um, they should be doing something on a daily basis. It could be walking, it could be you know, anything, any form of, of exercise. Um, so two times a week, I, I personally lead a, a track club uh, out in Fort Bend. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so I'm I'm both a coach and participant um, uh, of adults, and sometimes they even saying, bring so it. It's, it's not just kids; it's more adults. No, I mean, I it's it's um, physicians and oil and gas executives and housewives and um, you know uh, fitness models and and other and personal trainers. It's everything. Um, okay. They they come out to uh, Clements High School and meet me twice a week. Um, and you know, so my, my background is college sports. Uh, so, so I still have a lot of the knowledge, even though the, the years have, you know, taken over the body, the mind is sharp. <laughs> uh, Good to know. So, so, so I do that, um, twice a week, um, with a group. And then, um, also I had a, uh, doctor once tell me that she thought over the course of the pandemic that she could feel herself becoming less intelligent. And I said, why? And she said, you know, I'm sitting around and kind of just in a funk. I'm not reading anything new. I'm not doing, I, I'm not, I'm not reading at all. And she's like, I, I, I really feel like over the last year and a half that I, I got a bit dumber was her words. Wow. Um, and I thought, and I said, I feel like she's right. <laughs> uh, you are dumber. I said, <laughs> and I hung up the phone. No, but but I thought, yeah, I need to do something for my mind as well. Uh, outside of just you know the the regular um, law practice, um, which you can be so smart in one area, but you can still lose yourself in other things. Mm-hmm. So I started reading. I picked up uh, wonderful books. Uh, again, and I started reading, which is hard for a lawyer to read for fun because we read so much that's not for fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I but, that. yeah, but so I started reading. Um, I started my own podcast, by the way. Um, so, so oh. that was fun. Yeah, it's it's called Go On Say It, and I actually got it got picked up by an Ebony Podcast Network. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm that's that that's what I do. Okay. Hey, you're a multifaceted guy. I like yes, that. Yes, I'm like a Ginsu knife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna let you do one one big shout out again to educators on. Uh, it could be the one thing you want them to remember from this topic, or just the one thing you want them to remember in general. I know you gave them a lot of love at the beginning, so we're sure. gonna. Share that. Okay, so um, to our educators, uh, I will say there's so many different. Uh, resources that are available to you if you have questions. 
um, please, for um, topics about bullying, you can go to David's Legacy uh, Foundation. You can go to Crime Stoppers website, and they can give you very, very, very um, clear guidelines as to what is bullying, what is the impact of it, uh, why is it important that you're familiar with it. I also would tell you, go to your um, district's website, look up your bullying policy. It's very, very simple to find. Uh, it will be a, a more condensed version of the large packet of information you already have. Um, I wanna encourage parents who are listening, um, pay attention to what your children are doing, um, whether it's with their cell phone or whether it's um, with something that's in their backpack that shouldn't be. You have an onus as that person's parent or their caretaker to be involved. Don't put it all on educators because it's not their job to raise your children. They will help protect your children and make them smarter, but it ultimately comes down to parental responsibility. Ask the family in Michigan who's now looking at criminal prosecution if you disagree with what I'm saying. And I also wanna say thank you again, uh, both to you, uh, Janice, this was a wonderful experience. And to anybody that took the time to sit with us and listen to this, I hope that you learned something. Well, thank you. Thank you so, so much, Jamie. Uh, you will be back, um, whether it's on our podcast or whether on some other th things that we have. We have a lot of events coming up, and I like to always continue this conversation, this ongoing conversation of educator rights and what they should be paying attention to to keep themselves uh, safe and secure, as well as the students. All right. Thanks oh, a lot. I, I look forward to it. Oh, yeah. Mark Wahlberg. We need you. <laughs> <laughs> That's our next coup. Mark Wahlberg, yeah. we're going to make it. We're going to do yes. that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Jamie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking the time to join us for this episode highlighting matters in the law related to school safety. Remember our key takeaways. One, understand the legal responsibility of accountability. Two, remember the reporting strategies of school incidents. What did you know? When did you know it? And what did you do about it? All related to what your school district policy dictates. Remember the awareness of the law and district's policies is key for all school educators as we focus on keeping students safe. You can follow us on Twitter at CSSS underscore HCDE or go to our website at www.hcde-texas.org. Click on support services and then click on safe and secure schools. Remember, stay safe, stay secure, and take care. Thank you. Thank you.